Welcome back to Kettlebells and Cocktails. I'm your host, John, back with all my friends tonight, Nikki and Dale. I'll start Nikki. Nikki, how are you? Ooh, that we don't have enough time in this episode to go no? through what life has been like lately. I, I, I know that I know <sighs> that feeling. Well, Dale brought his smart glasses to the show tonight. He looks Ooh. He looks right. very studious. I like you it. do. I like it too. These are my CrossFit pundit glasses. Yeah, oh, they're good. That's right. Yeah, we're doing some punditry tonight. Is that a word? Is punditry a word? It is now. I don't know if it is or not. I have to tell you this funny story, Nikki. I um found myself on Reddit over oh. the over the weekend. And first of all, it's always a mistake. Mm -hmm. Dale, do you ever go on Reddit ever? Like when I have very like random specific things I need help with. But other than that, I stay out of it. I if like ever it just when I get... finish when I like finish a, a TV series or a book series or something, and I need to like, I don't know, just vent or just like be with the other people who were like as obsessed as me and like read the theories and whatever. That's what Reddit is good for, in my opinion. I like to go on it when I'm in a good mood and I don't want to be. Mm. You know, that's, yeah, it'll do that. It'll that's do the that. perfect time to go on Reddit. You can just get pissed at people, and they're all anonymous, so people are just saying the dumbest shit, like hand yeah. over fist. And but I went on because we did the episode with Don, and I'm like, there's gonna be feedback in there, and oh, you got to take the good and the bad, right? Yeah. And you you can always find nuggets of truth. And sure as the world, you know, there was a thread, and I'm reading through it, you know, trying to, you know, uh, understand it, and I comment, I like oh. I correct, I yeah, that was my mistake. I mean, let's just own up to it. That that was my Hold first on. mistake. Hold on. Yeah. Well, someone like took one of Don's quotes and they took it out of context. So I added context, which again, huge mistake in Reddit. Don't ever add context. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants mm -hmm. it. Nobody Anyways. cares. Yeah. So anyway, some dude comes in and he goes, uh, Hey, make what's great again. You're 55 years old and call a Nikki bestie. That's just cringe. And so oh. I can't let that go. So I'm like, all right, look, if you're going to try to roast me, at least be factually accurate. I'm 53 asshole. You yeah, know? seriously. And so he comes back in. He's like, well, I'm as accurate as Danny Spiegel's squats, squat depth. And he spelled speak. He spelled Spiegel wrong. So I'm like, oh, wrong oh, no. again, buddy. Oh, you no. know, I think what I said to him was, I guess middle school was really hard for you. I think that's what I said, you know, because it's right. Yeah. You, get, you, know. you got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he comes back with, I'm going to come to your affiliate, go to the women's room and take an upper depker. And I'm like, you win. That's it. Like, you totally win. Wow, we went I know. there. I know, but he's going, yeah, to the women's room of all places. I was like, I would at least let open ended. Like, guess which one it's in. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah. Like, surprise me with it. Give me the old Chicago surprise. I don't know. It was just mm -hmm. it was, it was really wild. But I like anyway. that you were like, I'll meet you where you're at, Reddit troll, with these silly internet like quips <laughs> that we're throwing at one another. And he was like, I'm gonna come and shit your affiliate. Like, I know. Oh. Oh God. Okay. That, well, this is not the trolling I signed up for, sir. Sir. Well, and I, this is at that witness. point I gave up. I'm like, you win. That, that, that one's funny. That one made me laugh. So. But also yeah. low key, like a real life threat. And I, now I'm, now I'm not playing this game anymore. Well, I guess, except it's the women's room and then Jen would have to deal with it. So I don't like that. Well, yeah, truly in that case. Yeah, jokes on you. Wow, so, jokes on you. I don't so clean that room. Interesting. Yeah, it, I, it I, bizarre. I personally am kind of a little hung up on like of all things in that episode to be really tearing apart. 
it's us being besties, bro. <laughs> That's not the first time I've heard that. Not the first time I've Listen, heard that. Listen, being cringe is a, a, a staple of my personality, so. I guess. I, I give guess. zero fucks. Yeah. Well, Bring it on. I, Bring on the cringe. It's literally the definition of chuggy. It is. It absolutely is. Well, I, I want to give everybody some context uh, as to what we're going to do tonight and why I asked Dale, because I know Dale's very popular in our community, but not everybody knows you, Dale. Not everyone. Oh, I'm well aware. Not yeah. as well as we do. Well, so I got a lot of feedback around the podcast. Good, bad, and ugly. And, and I want to be fair. You know, we had Frank on a couple of weeks ago from the CF affiliate group to talk about affiliates buying back CrossFit. And then we had Don on to give kind of the counterpoint or give the official counterpoint of it. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of debate going on between the two. And so I want to be fair and kind of debate the two ourselves. Like the three of us talk about it. And the reason I asked Dale is Dale's an OG in the community. He's an affiliate owner. You good friends with Greg Glassman, like, you know, everybody. Right. And so I thought, and of, of everyone I know, I'm like, who will be fair? Like who mm -hmm. will come in and not just agree with me because they like me, who will come in and give honest opinion. And I'm like, that's Dale King. He'll do that. And Dale was yeah. nice enough to come on. So thank well, you, Dale. Thank you. No, appreciate it. Pleasure. Looking forward to it. Yeah, but you better agree with me. That's all I'm saying. So. <laughs> no, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on everything that's been going on, Dale, because obviously, like, you know, to John's point, we've had sort of both extreme ends of the the affiliate arguments and the community arguments on the podcast. But there's a lot of in-between and there's a lot of other chatter that's been happening in the community in terms of the overall direction of CrossFit and what we want to see from leadership, what we want to see from the community, who should be in charge, like all of that kind of stuff. So I do feel like you have a solid pulse on, um, on not only like good solid opinions based off of life experience, just given the fact that you've been in the affiliate space for so long, but also I feel like you just have a decent pulse on what the community is saying outside of just the polarizing views too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I am curious to hear in general, your thoughts on not only the people that we've had on our show, but just the overall kind of hope for CrossFit as a company, as a brand and as a leader in this affiliate model. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, um, I find myself spending way too much time listening to all this shit going on so yeah I'm glad, I'm glad i'm glad i have a uh an opportunity to at least express my opinion for whatever that's worth and, um yeah i'll give you my honest take on it just upon folks i've talked to you know, i'm good friends with greg uh, you know, i also consider don a friend as well um but that and then you know i would just i'll just give it to you how um here's here's my biggest one of my biggest pet peeves is um, people who complain and then don't offer a solution. Mm. That is the that is the worst, um, especially if you're right. growing a small business and and people think favored by complaining. My immediate reaction is just like, okay, how are you going to fix it? And then it's just like, well, I didn't come in here to fix anything. I just came in here to put you myself. So, uh, depending on how we get into this, I'll give you my opinion and then hopefully just be able to offer some sort of uh solution i guess okay i i think the crux of the first episode we did with frank and we tried to you know we got don's opinion on this too but i'd be curious of yours so when frank came on he makes a a very strong uh opinion 
that he believes CrossFit, and he's right on this, by the way, CrossFit's financially obligated and legally responsible to their shareholders. And Don confirmed that for us. I like quite literally said they're legally responsible. Um, but he believes that to mean that private equity values profits over quality, meaning private equity is just here to flip this thing, move it on, and they'll you know turn the quick buck and they don't care what wreckage they leave in the wake that was my i you know i know it's not a direct quote so he'll probably do another 14 minute reel railing about that but but i think i'm pretty accurate right so dale you're a business owner you obviously you own an affiliate uh, a well-renowned one and you own multiple businesses beyond that so i guess that's my first question as a business owner and an affiliate owner do you believe that to be true uh that private it's basically like a leverage buyout from private equity and they want to let let the carcass rot or is that what, what no well, like, just that just that they're they're only in it to make their profit back period and they don't have the benefit of the community in their foresight because that is not a part of their end game versus don's belief which is like yes and he said it to us like yes we absolutely you know they are owed their money we are we have our legal obligations it is what it is but I'm trying to build the best brand, the best community, the best affiliate model. And that is the rising tide that will then get these people their financial investment and then some, and they recognize and support that. Yeah. So where do you fall? You yeah. Know, I, I, those think, two? I think uh, it's a, just a matter of uh, economic aligning economic interest. Um, I don't think they're in it to burn it down and try to, to it's like flipping a house. Right. So, um, just from what I see now, however, well, let me back up a little. It's CrossFit owned by private equity is something we're not used to. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but they have to make decisions that will run a profitable business versus under a sole proprietor like, like it was Greg. Right. Um, so they're going to do things, i.e. layoffs, um, and various other things they've done that w will not sit right within the community. Um, that's just, that's just the nature of the beast, especially when it was ran under Greg and I'm not here to debate what, you know, what is better. Um, but I just don't, from an outside perspective, I just don't think for them to run it to run it into the ground and, and try to make it, they, they don't, it's not an A and B. They have to be able to get as many affiliates as possible in order to run a profitable company. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Um, right. I think the, I think the question is from, from the community and from many affiliate owner standpoint is, is this company now going to be only making decisions that bring them financial gain, regardless of what it means for us or for the growth of our businesses or the growth of our community or the growth of the brand versus what Don basically said, which was, you know, the affiliates and, and the what's best for this entire community come first because that aligns directly with brand growth overall which is what the end game is looking for in terms right. of financial gain he's like it's one in the same it's the same thing and yeah. i think you know frank's concern and, and the concern of many affiliate owners who are with him is like that they don't give a shit about us 
they're just going to do the things that get them more money, like charging us, you know, higher affiliate fees. Right. Um, it's a matter of timeline, right? That's so, interesting. I think Don, Don mentioned that too. It's a matter of timeline. And like, this is not like some great and conspiratorial thing. Like PE firms want to, want to turn it, want to flip those companies within, you know, five years, typically seven years max. So we're coming up on the five year mark, like in, I don't know, 18 months or something like that. So you can do all those things Don wants to do if you have a longer runway. The question is from a controlling board is how long is that runway? And how long are they willing to, uh, how long are they willing to sacrifice profit for impact to get there? Mm. And I don't think that was, who knows? Like, I think he said five to seven years. Um, and I will say this, like, I wholeheartedly believe Don is in the best, is the best person to get us there. If the board lets him do it, that's, that's the thing. Um, it's just like, we don't know much about the board and we don't know their timeline. Um, so that leads to a lot of unknowns and a lot of the majority of the growth. Well, there Are you, I, did he yeah, freeze? I can't, I can't <laughs> hear him. It's like, uh, uh, but I feel like it was something profound. Be, yeah. He was sitting on it. Yeah. Where? Oh no. Let me text him just in case he's like still talking and thinks we're the ones that are frozen. Hey, we're back. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. I was just texting you. Whatever you were about to say was going to like lead this conversation. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump back into it. Well, no, I was just saying like, you know, Berkshire is, um, they're not the only investor. They're the majority shareholder, Mm -hmm. but there are other shareholders. And to Dale's point, we don't know who those people are. We know some are employees, you know, they've got employee stocks out there. So you could, you know, smartly consider that, you know, Dave and Nicole as an examples of kind of high ranking, you know, employees that would be holding stock that you would imagine are making good decisions to help their stock and to help right. the community. Um, but we also don't know who else has it. So I I wonder if the timeline isn't going to be a little longer because of the pandemic. Like I see often mm. in my real job, I saw it today, like we had nothing but financial reports all day long today. And the economy in the last four years has been different than it's ever been. Like you had a two, a couple of year window there where you're watching credit card debt on consumers fall through the floor, like people paying off debt because they were at home and not spending, you know, and, and now for the first time in a decade, we're watching consumer deposits starting to drop coming back from a pandemic era. So my point is, is, is when you look at, you know, Berkshire and the other investors wanting to sell this and where they typically go, all right, five to seven years and we're four years in, we're kind of two years in because mm. those first two years are where eight atypical years where even a private equity firm could look at it and go, we're better suited to hold on two years longer than we normally would because we can't count those first two years. It just, you know, that we bought it at a, at a weird valuation and we got to figure out what we really have. And if I can go back to your original analogy, Dan, uh, Dale, of of flipping a house, then that's where they have to decide what kind of house are they flipping? You know, what kind of neighborhood do we live in? Are we going to put in granite tops 
or we're going to put in laminate tops, mm -hmm. you know, and, th and those are the underlying questions that I think we haven't gotten answers to yet to decide what this is going to look like in the future. I think they're sitting on a gold mine personally. Yeah. And they'll hold on to it longer than we think they will because they know this. What well, I think for opinion. the success of everyone involved, I hope that's the case. Right. Because if it's accelerated timeline, then they're going to, they're going to continue to do things to, yeah, you can only do it. Like you got to decrease costs and you got to raise revenue. Um, right. you can do that in a very condensed short timeline. You're, I mean, they're, you're gonna, you're gonna be at risk for, for a lot of people leaving, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also wonder if that decision will get made closer to their deadline because exactly what John is saying, but also because if, if the changes that they are implementing from the brand side are really only starting to take effect in the later part of the partnership because yeah. they weren't able to do so much from the pandemic, from the pandemic forward, really, those two years, then I wonder if it's not even the kind of decision they can make until year six. And then they can yeah. look back and say, you know, oh, okay, now, you know, now we understand that it's a weird start of a bell curve. And now we can see the financial impact and gain that is starting here. And so in the future, yes, it could be a gold mine. So let's just wait on this partnership. Yeah. And, they, and I, you know, I'm glad you brought that point, guys, because the other thing is, yeah, sure, it was a pandemic, but you also had 18 months of, of Rose's leadership, um, which I would say did not accelerate the growth of the company. Right. Um, it probably set it back a tremendous amount. So. I would say if we look at this from the, you know, that five-year time frame, <clears throat> um, I hope their clock would start when Don got in. Because, um, you know, I feel, I think everyone I've talked to about him, like CrossFit is the most stable it's been since it sold under his leadership. So I hope they allow him to give him as much time as needed to see if um, he can institute all these changes make some return for private equity because that's what they put the company. They didn't do it. It's not a kindness out of their heart thing. Yeah, of um, course. And, you know, simultaneously thread that needle of uh, affiliate growth, profit growth, return for private equity. Yeah, it's interesting. And they're still making cuts. That's what's interesting to me. Like you mentioned that, you know, you got to do cuts and drive revenue and they're still in the cutting phase. And I, I think every we all want to be in the growth phase already. And you can look, you know, just in this podcast, he said to us, we're about to make meaningful cuts from sport. Yeah. And I, this first time I'd heard that, you know, so, and, and then in that same week, we didn't talk about it with him on the show, but they did some cuts on the marketing side, you know, they laid some people off. And so I think that's, you know, signifying that they don't really yet know what they have. They know they can need to continue to save money, but they haven't realized the benefits of those cuts yet. Like they moved the games to Fort Worth. They broke off all the, you know, subsets of the games to other cities and they're funneling them off to other competitions, which will save them a lot of money. But those competitions have not happened yet. Right. People mm -hmm. will have to show up and buy the tickets. So, you know, they don't know what they have yet until they have it. The open hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. So they don't know what they have until they have it. And I, you know, I think we'll know 12 months from now. Yeah. Whether they're going to, is this going to work or not? Yeah. Right. I mean, they're working off of projections and it did sound also like they're parallel pathing some growth initiatives with this cutting phase. 
But to your point, John, there's no way to know the dollars in versus dollars out until after the fact. And that probably will have a massive effect on what the next year's fiscal planning looks like. Well, I would say too, it's like, you know, he, he's publicly said CrossFit broke even last year, um, which people feel differently about. But the more I sit and I think about that, I'm like, that's probably a positive indicator because if they, if he's, publicly proclaiming they broke even what were the previous two to three years like right right you know, you know what i'm saying like yeah. and, he, and he wasn't there for that so he gets in within a year I, who's saying i don't know how far in the red they may have been but it's just like oh shit okay he needed to do what he needed to do like we're broke even like to your point like what will the next year look like yeah i mean look it, that that era that you're talking about that pandemic era was it was rough on every business we have to assume i mean we don't have the numbers but you have to assume besides the affiliates that actually just left because they were pissed i mean how many closed because of the pandemic 10 percent? Mm-hmm. i think that's a fair number you know it's a significant amount of revenue out of the ecosystem so you're right if they're breaking even that's you know probably a good thing the the thing that keeps jumping out at me and, and that I saw from the feedback, and I'd really be interested in your feedback on this, Dale, is, is uh, you know, I keep hearing from people, I get zero from CrossFit, or they don't communicate to me well, or, you know, they, they're not transparent. That's the word. My question for you is, how transparent do you believe they need to be? And how much transparency as an affiliate owner do you think you're owed? Uh, zero. Short, short answer is uh, read the read the licensing agreement that I've signed for 10, 12 years. I don't expect CrossFit to do anything for my business. And I think Don and the guys need to be very careful about what they're saying, because now it seems like they're going to put all these initiatives together and they're going to drive new traffic into gyms. It is my responsibility to get my members to my gym. It is not CrossFit's responsibility to do that. To me, CrossFit's responsibility is to do things I can't do on my own as a business owner. And more importantly, it's to build and promote a brand worth fucking following. That's it. Full stop, that's it. I don't need... And then because what happens if if you start, you know, subcontracting responsibility to HQ, then you're, you'll never accept responsibility for what you're supposed to do as a business owner. So that, I mean, that's my, that's a bit of a radical take on, on my end compared to, to other guys, but even Greg, like the Greg did, wasn't, he was even, you get the name. He was very yeah. laissez-faire about the entire thing. Yeah. The name. That's it. That's all you get. Now, this is, but this is why I'm so on the back end. I'm so butthurt about the removal of grandfathered rates. I'm not upset about the increase in the affiliate fee. I'm upset that they took all the old guys and said, you're going from 500 to 4,500. Yeah. If you're a former employee, you're going from zero to 4,500. <clears throat> I think that's a fundamental mistake. And, and I think. Uh, this year we'll we'll tell them if it was the right thing to do or not, and the reason is you can't like you're gonna you're gonna devalue the 
the what those guys added to the brand when no one else was doing it. And you're going to lose a lot of that. Uh, I, he probably doesn't like me saying his name, but there's a great guy, Tim Chan. So Tim, Tim Chan's out of San Diego. He's probably like one of the most underrated dudes in the CrossFit scene. He's uh, probably one of my favorite people on the yes. planet. On the planet. Great, great guy. He yeah. can't be an affiliate anymore. He, he owns CrossFit San Diego. It's his garage. He loves CrossFit. Gave a, gave a lot of his years to that brand. All, all of them. Yeah. And now, like, he's gone. Because he can't, he, he can't afford $4,500. Furthermore, <clears throat> at 45 and then you got to pay a grand to just submit, the, hit the enter button to get your application fee. Right. It's just like, I couldn't, I can't, I, would, I couldn't have afforded to be an affiliate now if I would have started. You know what I mean? Like, if that was the cost, like, I could just simply couldn't do it. So... That's where I'm, I'm really critical of, of that decision. I'm not critical of the rates being increased. I think the rates should have been increased for new people. And the reason is there are, they, they have done a good job. There's a bunch of more tools out there for newer affiliate owners um, that work around when I, when I started. Um, so short answer is I'm not expecting CrossFit to, to give me anything, but build and promote a brand worth following. And I think that's where a lot of people now are like, what? I think that's Frank's biggest thing, but is he's kind of talking out both sides of his mouth as well by, by saying that. Um, because they have done, they, you know, I'm friends with the guys on the media team. <laughs> and there's there's not a lot of them on the media team, but I was gonna say both both of them, you know them both. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. They they bust their ass. And go yeah. back and I would I would challenge anybody go back and look at the last two three months on their YouTube page. Mm -hmm. there's Good stuff. There's been a significant amount of content. I would you know critique that they have a probably like a distribution problem. Not I've been content. saying I've been shouting the words media plan from oh. from day one. Like so, we need yeah. we need really strategic work to get this stuff mm -hmm. in front of the right people. And I'm not convinced it is the right stuff for top of funnel new people mm -hmm. i think it's the right stuff for us which we need by the way like you sure. need to absolutely get your community fired up about the things that really matter to you which is you know a lot of the wonderful storytelling that's been happening lately but if we're talking about brand new people in the door what is crossfit can i do it can i lose weight can i get off my medication can i get my life back i don't know if those are the right messages from an yeah. advertising standpoint it, but i won't i won't nerd out about that well, we should talk about this though. That's an interesting point. I was, I was listening to Don today and I'm, I'm going to give him high points for this and a critique. I hope he hears this because I really mean this from the heart. He does a really great job talking about servant leadership, yeah. which for the record, I think is, is really impressive considering he's a Marine, right? Like you think those guys are just going to come in and kick your teeth in, but uh, you know, he's talking about serving people and he mentions this servant leadership multiple times in the episode. He also owns up to the mistakes that they've made multiple times. I mean, I, I, I was kind of blown away at how often he said, yeah. we know we've made mistakes and we need to correct those things. Here's what I didn't hear from him. What are we doing well? Where's the swagger? Think about this. And here's how I'm going to frame it up for you and then we can debate it. You can say a lot of stuff about Greg. The one thing I'll say about him is, you know, 
I'm not going to make humble one of those words. And I say that with love. And the reason I say that is because we call the CrossFit Games the competition to find the fittest on earth, which is the most braggadocious comment you could ever come up with. We're going to find the fittest on earth. Now, I think it's kind of a bullshit statement personally, but it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to go out and go, I do CrossFit. I compete against the fittest on earth. Where's the swagger for the people we're trying to get into the affiliates? Right? Like in the old days, you know, and I'm not sure I want us going back to this exactly, but when we started, it was, this is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. And there we took, you know, like I personally took a lot of pride in I'm doing something really hard. I'm not doing it at the level of a games athlete, but what I'm doing is challenging myself. And I was proud of that. And that's what I don't feel like I hear from them right now to get people in the door is that you're going to do something you're proud of. Mm. That makes sense. So I disagree to a, to a point because I did hear Don talking a lot about trying to tell stories about CrossFitting affecting about CrossFit rather affecting people's lives, like really impactful shit about CrossFit as you age and getting like populations in the door where we are going to we are going to literally change people's lives and their entire perspectives on what life is. And I to me that's a that's a swagger without necessarily being braggadocious. But I I don't envy Don and I said this on the show because I don't think that he can step into a role and step onto a podcast like ours where we're like, hey, like there's a lot of shit going on that you fucked up like how are you fixing it and i don't know if he could really come out here and be like you know and and by the way like here's here's an attitude that is going to push all that aside like i don't I don't actually give a shit about it because here's what we're doing well do you know what i mean like he's he's kind of in this role right now where he's answering to a lot and i think he's trying to be as transparent as possible while still being in that c-suite role and i just don't know if he i i don't know if it would ruffle too many feathers to come out and have a little bit more of a well my point is, is like i heard him say that stuff too but what i keep hearing him say is we're talking about this and we're talking about that and we're thinking about doing this for seniors and we're thinking about mm -hmm. doing this for people that are 50 what i haven't heard yet is here's the five-year plan of exactly what we're going to do here's what the marketing strategy sounds like here are the exact people we're going after Right. And, well, and, and attacking it with the kind of swagger that CrossFitters carry. Like think yeah. of the people in your gym that just walk in the door and take their shirt off as soon as they walk in the door. Like that's the kind of swagger I'm talking about. Like yeah. the, co the confidence that what we have is life changing and I have to give it to you because I know it will fix your problems. And that's what I, I don't feel like I've either. I don't know that's coming because I, they haven't told me specifically what that's going to look like. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, in a way, I feel a lot of it's kind of gone from punk rock to yacht rock. It's, <laughs> it's the, the tone isn't there. The, the stories and the messages are there, but we are lacking a specific tone that attracts, it attracted me. And, and you know, I had this, <laughs> I had this conversation with Keith Knapp, uh, RIP, but he, he, it was just too, like, too soon, too soon for that joke. I had this conversation you, with Keith Knapp, and I was just like, who are you guys talking to? And I know, like, who are you talking to? And because you wouldn't attract me 12 years ago. 
Right. And I'm not saying I'm not, I don't need to be the target demo here, but if you got, it goes to a much bigger question is who is CrossFit's customer? Well, and that, this is something that I had mentioned on the show. And again, I won't nerd out too hard because this is what I actually do for a living, but pitch testing and figuring out what messages are resonating in what demos, in what markets, on what channels, that's what a really sophisticated and strategic media plan would do for the brand because just because you haven't heard it doesn't mean that it's not being put out there to a specific target to whatever like none of us within the community should be hearing those messages trying to get new people in otherwise CrossFit is wasting its money you know what I mean those messages should be specifically going to new people and we should be funneled out so and 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 all those messages should be out there. The 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 crazy, my shirt is off and I spilled chalk everywhere and you need to come to this gym right now. Like that message should be out there and we should test it against some folks and see if it works. And uh, really high level athletes and clips from the games and old people lifting jugs of water and and incredible stories of life transformation. All of those potential marketing messages need to be put out there to brand new audiences to see what resonates and how and with who. And then once we figure that out, then we should make more of them or put more money toward the right demos, et cetera, et cetera. So, but we shouldn't necessarily be seeing them. Otherwise CrossFit is wasting valuable acquisition dollars on folks who are already down funnel. So that's what I'll say about that without, I, I definitely already started falling into the rabbit hole and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. But I do think that, I do think it, it's interesting to hear from your perspective that that's not really what you're feeling because that's what brought you in. And there is a part of marketing that isn't measurable. And sure. I hate saying that because I'm in, I'm in performance marketing. So most of it is measurable, but part of it, we like to say at my, at my company, you really just need to feel in your bones. And right. if there's something telling you that you're not feeling it, then that, that shouldn't be ignored. And, and I, yeah. And trust me, I'm, if I'm guilty of anything, it's being pro CrossFit. And <laughs> um and I I haven't seen that. Um that would so in I'm jumping all over the place, but it gets to like what he said at the very end. And Johnny and you guys brought it up. You're like, who are we fight? Right. What what is our mission? Who are we taking on? And it got all the way to the end. And then Don got fired up about the health stuff. And that, in that, obviously that, you know, based upon what I do, that's what fires me up. Like, I don't care about the games. I don't care about any of that shit. Like, let's flip the middle finger off the fucking chronic disease, obesity, addiction, like all these diseases of despair, because we have the world's most potent weapon to, to impact that fight yeah and that's the right like affiliate owners left to their own devices it's going to turn into lord of the flies you, you got to give them a mission and you have to challenge them um that's that's they're waiting for a hill to charge and i'm not seeing where that direction is coming from yeah it's funny you bring up that clip because i listened to that clip again today and i almost emailed don to tell him, dude, just play this in a loop because he sounded so passionate. Because yeah. the question I asked him was, What gets you excited? And he just he went off about 
how he was, you know, ex excited about the health conference, but excited about solving this problem that is, he called it the most existential problem of our time. Mm. You know, it's depression, loneliness, chronic disease, you know, everything that's keeping people out of the gym. And we could be the beginning of their healthcare journey, not after you've gone to the doctor, we're the first thing you do. And when he said it, he framed it up that way. And I'm like, holy shit, put that on a loop, play it on ESPN, play it on, you know, Monday night football or wherever you want to play it, you know, get it in front of people and they will come to that. And to your point, affiliate owners will rally behind it because we can do that. Like we, you know, we, I think we've, I'm sure all three of us have seen it in gyms of people that have come in with, you know, horrible life situations that are turned around in months, not years, months. Yeah. All I'm going to say is that message, I believe it could be one of the most potent messages out there for people, for new people and people within the community, but it's not what you guys are saying is missing in terms of the, I don't want to call it arrogant, but like the, the OG confidence that CrossFit had. So it's well, not, it's not that. I think it's it, different. I think, it, I think it's evolved. I think, I think it feels like, like we used to say we cure chronic disease and I, probably legally we're, we're not allowed to say that. Anymore. Right. That's okay. <laughs> I, I was, I was at the health conference, uh, one of Greg's health conference and I forget the name of the gym nicest dude. And he's going to punch me in the nuts for not remember his name, Aww. but he gave me a t-shirt to his gym and the back of it said, we cure type two diabetes. And I was like, holy shit, man, that is, in your, that is in your face. And it's, that's the swagger. And I'm not saying that has to be our slogan. I just think that, you know, when you think. Yeah, of legally, what, yeah. I don't think it can be. <laughs> I don't think it can be. <laughs> but, you know, if we're, if we're crowning the fittest on earth, maybe we're creating the healthiest on earth in our gyms. Mm. You know, I don't know what the term needs to be, but, you know, it should be something like that. Something where people are going to go, I do this because it makes me fitter than you. That's why I do it, you know, and I'll be honest, like I have a little swagger at work because I'm usually the fittest guy in the room. Now, that's, not yeah. say, that's not saying much against normal America. Like if a room of CrossFitters, I would not be. But in a, in a corporate banking world, you absolutely, you know, all of us would be. Yeah. And, you know, the, and I, I feel some swagger from that. And I think the yeah. more we can introduce that to people, the happier they'll be, the obviously the healthier they'll be and the longer they'll live. Like it's just... Well, Wait, can I tell, can I tell a super quick side story that is no, of very much along those lines? So Matt had his appendix out in emergency surgery last weekend and the surgeon who it was like two o'clock in the morning, he like came to find me. We were like the only ones in the hospital. It was wild. Um, he like came to find me afterwards and he was like, listen, most people are going to need about six to eight weeks where they can't lift more than 10 pounds. And he was like, with the case of your husband with somebody so fit, I seriously doubt it's going to take him nearly that long. He's just going to have to understand how and when he braces his core and, and avoid that. Cause you don't want to like, you know, give yourself a hernia while your abdominal wall is healing. I mean, he was like, he's going to be able to lift stuff with his arms, with his legs without necessarily engaging his core. And he'll, you know, hopefully be able to help you with your toddlers i think she was trying to say or he just looked right. at me and it was like oh my god you're so pregnant i'm so sorry your husband can't help you around the house for the next eight weeks but the way that he said it i was like oh 
you don't usually operate on people who look like that. Yeah. Got it. Like, I wonder if he got in there for that laparoscopic surgery and was like, there's no subcutaneous fat here. We're going to have to like literally blow up this man's muscle wall to get into his belly and that we don't normally do that. So it was just really interesting because to your point, John, like we're not games athletes, but in the real world for him to come to me and be like, was somebody so fit? I couldn't even get into his, his abs were so rock hard. I couldn't even slice into whatever, you know, I was like, dang, I'm going to tell him that when he wakes up and he's going to feel really good about himself. And he should. For the record, he still can't help me around the house. It's a giant pain in the ass this week, but hopefully it gets better. Tell him the surgeon said you're really fit. You need to get up, honey, to get to work. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get up and pick up our 30-pound toddler. Please don't, actually. What I need him to do is heal before this next kid comes. I do do want to pivot back to something Dale said. Dale, I have a question for you because it was funny the way you framed it. Um, But we talked, obviously, we talked to Frank quite a bit about affiliates owning the brand but you seem to think it's the lord of the flies which is a great way to term it um interesting can you expand on that a little bit i'm i'm assuming you would not be a fan of affiliates owning the brand or would you be well i think honestly uh this is just my bullshit opinion here but um i think the best thing that could happen is if berkshire decides they come to the realization they're they weren't going to make as much money out of this as they thought they could in the time frame that they thought they could um and then i'd like to see this be spun off into something like a employee stock ownership program. i would love and, that and then give all the employees first dibs and then create a share class for affiliate owners hmm. agreed um, and then <clears throat> let let Don or whoever's like if Don's still there, I hope he is, and let the crew still be there. And then, um, and I'm not an expert in, in how ESOPs get funded and all that stuff, but you can't just just because something's a good idea doesn't mean you're going they're going to sell the company to you. And I think he has a good idea, but he's lacking the chops to how to execute that. And I love affiliate owners to death, but 10,000 of them with 10,000 different views and ideas and, and the whole thing, it's, they need leadership. They need strong leadership. And, um, I think an ESOP is probably the best course out of, you know, my private equity. You could put you, me, Jen and Tom in a room and the four of us wouldn't agree. Imagine if you had 10,000 of us. Right. I mean, look! Look how many different opinions there are on fucking programming, right? Let alone running a PNL, right? And and I feel like it's an easy, it's sort of like an easy idealistic thought because there is so much more to running this entire organization because it is not siloed into affiliates versus sport versus health. Maybe someday it will be. Maybe it should be, but it is not. So just saying something like we should just buy this, we should just buy this company and we should run it leaves so many different business aspects off the table that it just doesn't, to me, doesn't seem practical for running the company the way that it's structured mm-hmm. right now. It just doesn't. Yeah. I, I mean, well, and so it's just like a, what resonates when people are attracted to that. And I think from a psychological point of view, it's 
affiliates feel disconnected from the brand. So they want to follow a guy who's like, let's bound together and buy this company. So if I'm HQ, I'm looking at that as a much bigger issue, not the fact that it's going to happen. It's just like, what can we do to improve our relationship from a headquarters point of view to our affiliates? I and think that's the real answer that needs to, or the real question that needs to be answered. I, mm-hmm. I think, I, I hope, again, I hope Don listens to this and maybe they're already planning this, but I swear to God, I think your idea of an employee stock plan is brilliant. And here's why. One of the fundamental problems with CrossFit is they have no quality control, none. Mm-hmm. And to your point earlier, you don't want them to, right? Most affiliate owners don't. Like you're like, hey, give me the name, get the hell out of my way. Let me do my thing. And Don said it on our show, most affiliates are run brilliantly, but there's always one down the street that isn't, right? Mm-hmm. And that hurts the whole bunch because you get an inconsistent experience when you go in. You start selling stock to affiliate owners. Maybe, just maybe, those that aren't running a great shop will go, you know, I could I could help my own financial well-being if maybe I clean the floors a little more often. Or or maybe we start doing warm-ups every single time, right? Or do they, you just have more ownership when you actually own part of the company. And yep. we see that, you see that in corporate business, like the, the employees that are buying employee stock, they work harder, they're happier, they are more dedicated, they, you know, get better reviews, they're just better performers. Because they're invested in the company, yeah, you know? and so I do think it could it could absolutely help. You know, will it fix all the problems? No, but it it will give you more quality control because you can give a discount for that stock. That's the whole point. If you say, all right, our stock's trading at fifty bucks a share, but affiliate owners, we're going to sell it to you for forty. Right. You know, it's it's a good deal for them. I have a question, just going back to the the last thing you said, Dale, about how the really the greater issue is what is sort of like the benefit of being a quote unquote ownership group if you're affiliates? Like what is the real what is the real issue? Like what is the feeling that you're missing right now? And how do we address that? And you you said, you know, how does the brand sort of like build these better relationships with affiliates? How do you think they do that without necessarily providing for them because you said you don't expect them to provide anything for you so how do they reach out to you and say hey i'm here for you but i'm not gonna really do anything for you well i think we we think outside the box and create opportunities for uh revenue share so Mm. you know it's funny how they told us we, our dues haven't gone up in 11, 12 years. Well, neither has the ticket to the CrossFit Open either, but that stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Right. So something as simple as make it 25 bucks and then kick five bucks back to all the affiliates for their signups. And then you don't even need to write them a check. You just take it off of their dues for the next year. So that's an opportunity to be economically motivated to work towards a common goal. Just something, something as simple as that, or instead of whatever raising your dues, the fifteen hundred bucks, I would have liked to see like an opt in to a scholarship program. So, because we we know an issue is <clears throat> to do CrossFit, you got to afford it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people. Yeah, John's been down to where I live, baby. It's uh, it, we ain't tech millionaires where I'm from, so. I would like to see like, hey, you can either opt in to pay this $1,500 extra or go give three scholarship members per year 
and document their process, document their success, and then turn that into media that we can all use. Mm. It's stuff like that, that now we can go back to the private equity thing. Like private equity is probably not going to like that because it, it's a, they don't, they're not going to see the revenue from that right way. But let's just think of ways to work together and, and grow the pie. Um, like don't just call us stakeholders, like actually let us, let us work together to where we can increase both of our bottom lines together. Those are both really great ideas. I love those well, ideas. I, I think you're really spot on to something here, Dale. When you think of, you know, what does CrossFit give us? I think there are a lot of affiliate owners like yourself that have been around for a long time and you don't need a lot, but the new guys coming in do need a lot. And the one thing they need more than anything else is education. Continuing education, level two, level three. Now they have to get the two, but there's plenty more they can get to grow their business. And there are a lot of ways to incent that outside of charging them for that education. And I know that's part of their revenue line, like they make revenue for the education. But to your point, if you said, all right, for the open, if your affiliate enrolls 50 people into the open, we'll give you a level three. Mm. Right. Right. Like, who wouldn't want to then as an affiliate owner, I'm going to be grabbing everybody that walks in the door yeah. on Saturday and going, are you signed up for the open? Go sign up for the open. It's only 20 bucks knowing that's going to get me as the affiliate owner, this education that I want for myself or for mm -hmm. one of my coaches. Yeah. You know, it's a no brainer. It's a cool idea too. I like that. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, this is just me, you know, I haven't even had a beer yet, like four beers down the road. Like what else could we, what else? Oh, that's know, the right? next episode. Let's do that. I'm here for it. Dale and I have had a couple of drinks together before, Nikki, and we solve a lot of the world's problems when right. we're drinking together. Listen, a dudes, give them. me eight weeks and I am down. We I will am not so down. We could not have a recording device around when we're solving these problems because a lot of things <laughs> get said that should not get said at the same time. To the cut, yeah. Simply <laughs> in a safe space. Yeah, that's true. Listen, I will say that I understand. So I'm I'm with you, Dale, in that for the most part, like in the affiliate model, I wouldn't expect much just based off the fact that you can run your affiliate the way that you want. And that that true laissez-faire business model is less involved. But to John's point, newer gyms have a lot more competition. Mm -hmm. The landscape is very different than it was a decade ago. And I understand saying, if you're raising my fee, what am I getting out of it? So I really do understand the argument that there are some fundamental things within the brand that need to change in order to better support the affiliate model as a whole, as opposed to saying like, Dale, here's how, here's three new members for your gym in your area today. Like I, I get it. It's not going to happen, yeah. but you know, having their sort of very high level marketing handbook, mm -hmm. not a bad idea when affiliate owners are trying to grow in a really competitive environment mm -hmm. or ensuring that the affiliate map works well on the website so that we're pointing people in right. the right directions. Or, you know, Don talked a lot about like owning keywords and, and doing a lot of like Google SEM, SEO work. Like that is the responsibility of the brand so that when people search CrossFit, the general public is going to be led in on a path that could get them to your gym. Mm -hmm. So I, I understand kind of like both sides and I mainly agree with you, but I understand why people are also like, listen, I'm paying all this money. It's more than it was before. 
what is it getting me? Yeah. That's their question. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, as much as I hate to admit this, reading through the comments on some of the stuff, it's just like, okay. Um, he kind of generically said, well, this is going to go into market initiatives. Well, what, what, what is that? And how is that like, to your point, how is that going to directly affect the brand or, and, or, um, <clears throat> bring filtering people down in, in, into mind. Now I will say like, I did see, um, a sponsored post on Facebook and or Instagram from, from CrossFit. Um, so they, are, you can tell they're, they're testing, they're, they're putting some money out there. So I, you know, I will give them credit for that. You should be able to look up the entire ads library. Yeah, there's, I, yeah, I'm seeing it, uh, seeing it on YouTube, Instagram. I mean, I'm seeing it all on all the social media sites. Um, my question is, and I think here's fundamentally the problem is like, you know, Dale, you and I have affiliates that are in tiny little towns that no amount of marketing is going to help us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what they market. Like we got to go out and get them. Like, you know, they would just do, I mean, you're the, to my knowledge, the only gym in Portsmouth, definitely the only CrossFit gym, the only one I care about in my heart. Well, there, there's, <laughs> there, we got about three or four, believe it or not. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh. I'm shocked. You get more CrossFit gyms than you do restaurants. That's impressive. Dang. Um, it's a small town, Nikki. It's like the size of this room. You could carpet Portsmouth from end to end for like 50 bucks. It's, it's true. But uh, I, I think fundamentally, and this is where I don't think, I think Frank is right about this. And I think where a lot of his issues with CrossFit comes, they have a really bad customer service problem. My opinion. Like they don't know how to talk to us. They're hard to get in touch with. Like, you know, we can get in touch with Don because we know him, but he's one guy to 13,000 affiliates. And, you know, the, the, the affiliate reps have their hands full. Like, it's hard to get answers out of this company. It just is, you know, and I think that's part of what they got to figure out along with this marketing strategy is how do we communicate better to the field, to the affiliates, to get them answers to their questions quickly and and help them move their business forward because we want to move it on our own we don't need them to do it but when we have questions we need the answers don't make us wait two or three weeks for it and i think that's where a lot of the complaints are coming yeah and it doesn't hurt that they cut big percentage of their staff too from the yeah. side. so um you know it's it's one of those it's just one of those things but yeah you should be it's just so this it doesn't answer your question, but it's always something too. It's just like affiliates are very similar to the members at your gym. You have to balance your time and attention to new people because they're very needy in, uh, at the front end of the intake, but you can't put all your coaches attention on them at the sacrifice of retaining your long existing members. And it's no difference with new and, and, and long-term affiliates. I bet you if it's a new affiliate wanting to apply, I'd say that email gets answered pretty quick versus yeah. versus a three or four year affiliate raising a question. So that's definitely an area for them to improve. Yeah, they're, um, he said it. I wish I, I, this is probably listening back to episodes. I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I ask a follow-up question? Mm-hmm. He, at some point he said something about retention numbers. And I should have asked him what they were. Meaning like they raise the rates and they knew when they raise the rates, you're going to, you're going to lose. There's, there's some attrition yeah. that's going to happen when you raise rates and they had a number projected and I should ask them what that projected number was. And when you raise it again, because guess what? You're going to raise it again. It's mm-hmm. going to happen. 
what's your next projection and what's your max projection? What do you, what's the cap? At what point are you done raising rates? Because you know, you'll lose more than it's worth. They've projected all that out. I'll bet you any amount of money you want to put on the table. I'd be curious Mm -hmm. as as to what it is. And to Dale's point, you have, then if you know what those numbers are, you have to start allocating resources toward those affiliates that are at risk. The ones that you think might attrite because you're about to raise a rate. You have to provide them something to give them a reason to stay. Yeah. Or like, you know, maybe they don't care. Like if, maybe. if you're a financially struggling affiliate, maybe you don't fit into this new model anymore. I mean, this is just, I'm, I'm making things up here, but um, maybe they want, they're setting the conditions for only the bigger, well-established, larger member gyms to succeed. Um, I don't know. That would kind of go directly against the whole PE just wants their return argument because realistically they would want as many gyms paying the affiliate fee month over month regardless of how well they're doing. Actually it wouldn't because I think about so think about it. If you you raise the rates, they just raise them fifteen hundred bucks, right? Mm-hmm. So the the gyms mm-hmm. that are going to leave because of that, I'm sure there are some great gyms that leave, but by and large, they're not the gyms they want to keep. Why? Because they're mass, the ones that can't afford the rate? They're the ones that don't have the best quality control, typically. Again, like well-run gyms. Let's call them hobby gyms or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 1500 bucks. Like, Scranton Falls CrossFit's well-run. We didn't blink yeah. at the 1500 bucks, sure. Right? We didn't love it. You know, who does? That's a couple of assault bikes. Right. But at the same time, it did not cripple us. But there are gyms out there, I'm positive that that crippled. That they now they can't afford to do it, and and guess what? They weren't going to survive anyway. More than likely, they were on life support. They just pulled the plug, and they kind of need to do that because when they raise the rate, when that gym goes under, it didn't really hurt CrossFit Inc. because they, we've they've already raised the revenue. Everybody else paid for that gym to leave. They're just trying to figure out how do we get to the the strongest, best gym so we have the best quality control, best product possible, at the most revenue. So when we are ready to sell it, we're selling a great quality product. So there's, that's the balance of going, it feels a little shitty, but you're also creating the best quality product you can, which you could argue fits into the CrossFit model. Cause that's what we're trying to do every single day mm-hmm. in the gym is be the best mm-hmm. version of ourselves. Right. And yeah. that to me lends itself more to Don's overarching argument of building the best brand and doing the best things for the affiliates and the members and the everyone. And that being the rising tide that also includes generating the most revenue at the, at the best sort of like internal rates. It does suck though, because the one thing that Frank said that he's a hundred percent right on and Dale, you said it too. corporations don't give a rat's ass about you. They don't. I don't care what corporation it is. They don't, they're designed that way. They're supposed to be designed that way. That's just, it's just the nature of the beast. And because of that, you are going to lose the Tim Chans of the world who we, all three of us love and the Keith mm-hmm. Knapp world who all three of us love. And, and, you know, we can name dozens more, you know, that get caught in the wreckage of this, you know, changing of the guard. 
it sucks, but it's, it's part of the deal. Yeah. And like, um, I would just push back on the well-run part. I guess it just depends on your definition. There, there's a lot of guys who run gyms out of a passion project. Sure. Yeah, they're, yeah. The, they're the only one around their small little town in Iowa somewhere. Right. Um, will that gym necessarily fold? Probably not. They're just going to be a CrossFit gym. Mm. Which, which to me, like, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying, Nikki. It's just like, yeah, uh, I think that sucks. I think that really, like, we, there's a way more underserved communities than there are CrossFit and well-run CrossFit gyms in nice suburban neighborhoods. Um, and, and we need them. And we sh- there should be a way for that message to still spread and that barrier to be low to get the, to get the methodology out there. Uh, under private equity, probably not. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Well, it's a, you, you said at the top of this episode, though, it's just, it's just a different business model. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I, and I hope no one took offense by me saying, you know, poorly run business or no, how, no, how, I, how I, I don't, I'm just pointed out like, yeah, yeah. Cause I, I agree with you. Like, you know, I, and I've been to those gyms you're talking about and I hate to see them go, but it, not that different than a Greg who would quite literally let me come to Portsmouth and open a gym right yeah. across the street from you if I wanted to. <laughs> Right. Yep. Like the fact that there's more than one in Portsmouth blows my mind. Wow. And that's a perfect example of, you know, no one at CrossFit going, Hey, how big is this town? How many coffee shops do they have? Oh, one, maybe we shouldn't have more CrossFit gyms that we have coffee shops. Yeah. You know, or like, okay, let me, I'll give you a real world example of that is, um, for two years, I ran a gym and we weren't an affiliate because we couldn't afford it. Just, just flat out. Now we didn't call ourselves one, but finally, finally, I, you know, figured it out and started having revenue come in. Definitely would have never happened if the rates were forty five hundred. Mm-hmm. Definitely, or it would have extended that a long time. Because of that, those other three or four gyms, and I'm not. This is going to sound very arrogant, but they all came from my gym, right? Because I was willing to take that risk at that point in time, and now. They, three or four other ones, they all came from here and they all have their own little communities and it's more, it's more people doing CrossFit, um, that under this new rate probably would have never happened. And I can count at least 30 plus people from my town that have gotten their level ones Mm. that came from one little spot. So it's just like short-term profits you know, whether we're calling three to five to seven years, probably can't see that over a 10 year time frame. So that's the biggest difference, I think, in the, in the business models. Yeah. And that also goes directly back to your point about not maybe it not being the greatest decision to not no longer grandfather in the really original affiliates because you just don't you just don't crumble your own foundation, right? Like you don't burn the bottom of your pyramid. Um, There is something truly to be said about the people who took a risk on this entire model when it first began. And I feel the same way about affiliates who grandfather in original members, founding members. Um, I just think it speaks volumes to setting up the actual community and the actual relationships that will sustain the business. I, I'm not going to come on here and be hypocritical. We, we grandfather our people in it. 
Mm-hmm. I have 10 people paying $50 a month. Right, right. 2010. Because yeah. they probably should have been paying $5 a month at, the, <laughs> at that point. Um, is it, and I understand I, every gym mentor business is telling me that's the dumbest thing and everybody needs to pay the thing. And I'm that, I'm like, well, what's the value of keeping your word? That's, that's why I do it. And I, and I'm, I'm with you and I'm loyal to my people. And, um, I just hope by doing this, it doesn't come back to bite him in the ass. Yeah. <clears throat> Hey, I have two more questions for you, Dale. It's a two-parter. I'm going to ask you the same question asked Don, but as an OG, I think you're ideally suited to answer this. What are you worried about when it comes to CrossFit, and what are you excited about? So I I was at the Health Summit, too. Um, and those things, that's what excites me. Um, you know, we... we you were able to do a workout with everybody the day before you got up. And if you were dumb enough, you did the go rug thing in the morning. Um, and then you just heard fantastic content talking about the value of CrossFit. Now they weren't saying it was CrossFit, but everything was what we do, but, and that was great. But to me, the more valuable part was being around people, being around CrossFitters. If they can do that on a routine basis, have a health summit, and then the next quarter have a training summit, and then the next quarter something, and then it's the games. We need to be around one another. And a lot of these chirping on both sides will go down if they present um, present opportunities to do that. Um, <clears throat> that's what I'm excited about. That, that was cool. That felt good. Like that felt like old school CrossFit. That that was good. Um, what I'm worried about, um, I this is gonna be to me, in my opinion, 2024 is gonna be a big make or break year for CrossFit. Mm-hmm. As um, affiliate owners are gonna make that decision: is this money worth it? And I and they better get shit or get off the pot. And roll these initiatives out and make it crystal clear that it, that it is, or a lot of the guys I love and respect and admire aren't going to be uh, flying that flag. To me, like that sucks. So that that's what I'm worried about. I hope they can pull it off. Um, you know, I I believe and I trust in Don. I think what Don has going for Don is that overall he's a good man. You know, what I'm saying like he's he's a good man and. He'll make good decisions, but like you said, 80% of the time they're aligned with private equity, but that other 20%, that may not be a lot, but that is going to be some pretty important things mm-hmm. that, they're, that they're not aligned with. So right, uh, that's what I'm worried about. I, I hope um, the, the original ethos and the foundation of who we are as CrossFit uh, doesn't go away. Love that. Well said. I, uh, and for everyone listening, uh, Dale and I are going to get together in just a couple of weeks. Oh. We're, going to, we're going to CrossFit Fairfield, which is Keith Knapp's new gym that's opening. Uh, it's going to be, it's north, I think, north of Cincinnati. I could have that wrong, yeah. but it's in Fairfield, Ohio. And uh, we're going to go help him with the grand opening and do a workout together. A couple of old men just acting like old men. <laughs> 
and there will likely be alcohol involved at some point i'm yeah. sure uh but yeah. so if anyone wants to join if you're in ohio particularly kind of the southern ohio area you know south of columbus come join it's going to be yep. fun and if you're in that area you should join the gym because keith is going to be a terrific yep affiliate owner and let's he's going to have a great gym and great coaches and he's sharp as a tack so i'm excited for him yep yeah for sure we invite you nikki but you're too far away and you're too pregnant yeah let's not do that remember that time i was selfish yeah yeah that time i worked at the games 38 weeks pregnant was the last time i decided i would ever like fly somewhere <laughs> 38 weeks pregnant so let's not do that again yeah no, i'm i'm excited uh to get down there and do that it's gonna be good times. Be fun for you guys don't call anyone your bestie while you're out there or else no, the internet will have words i know apparently it's cringe i don't even know mm. kids still said that but okay i guess it's still a thing okay. so oh well well dale thank you for joining yeah again. no no many you're... times but <clears throat> i'm surprised uh... my kids didn't break out and want to get on tv <laughs> or on camera well, I'm surprised mine don't either, but you know, mine that's here, uh, she took, came down earlier. She's like, can you hear me when I'm upstairs shouting? Cause she's up there gaming, you know, I'm like, no, I have, the, I have the, the, uh, the sound. <laughs> noise cancellation is noise on. cancellation. <laughs> and trust me. I'm like, no, I hear it at three in the morning when I'm trying to sleep. That's right. Here, you know, so, but listen, we appreciate you coming on Dale. Your, yeah. your opinion carries so much weight in the community and you're doing great work, obviously. Thanks, down in Fort Smith, you know, no one can top what you guys are doing for sure. So, well, thank you. We just really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, Nikki, great to see you. Like as always. See you. All right. Well, for everyone listening, we appreciate you guys joining and we will chat with you guys next week.